All right. How are you guys? You ready to... Re- awesome. That's good. Very good. Isn't that host that was up here earlier? She is pretty cute, isn't she? That just happens to be my, my beloved bride. So she's rocking it as, as a host. Well, Father, we come to you today. Every single one of us in this room, everyone that, that listens online in the future, every single one of us, we need you. We need help. We can't do enough to save ourselves. We can't quit enough to save ourselves. We believe that you are that help, that Jesus Christ is our only hope, that you have made us right, you have made us in good standing. And Lord, I pray that, that your word is heard today, Lord, because your word goes out and it doesn't return void. Your word goes out like seed and it brings back a harvest. So Father, we ask for your word, not man's word today. And Lord, I, I ask that, that we all receive that in Jesus' name, amen. So I wanted to talk a little bit today about serving, about how we as, as a church, how we're called to serve, how we're called to get our hands dirty. You know, the, the spiritual life, it begins with a relationship with Jesus. It begins with knowing him. He qualified you. He qualified me. Jesus did that. I didn't do that. I didn't qualify myself by anything I did. But something we need to know very, very importantly, he prepared us for good works. Not that we're saved. We're not saved through good works. You heard me say that, correct? Because a lot of times in in a charismatic, faith-filled church, we, we think, well, it's not about works. I believe and it's done. Well, you're living a half-hearted life at that point because it's all about you. I'm just, I'm going to be real with you this morning. Are you okay? Because if our spiritual walk is all about us, then maybe we're looking to Jesus, but we're not following him because he didn't stop with us. He's still on the path. He's still, he's still moving. His whole goal, Jesus' whole goal for leaving people here was that we would show the world how much the Father loves them. That he loves them as much as he loved Jesus himself. Look it up, John 17. I quote it almost every week because it's like my life call that I am so impressed that Jesus loved me enough, that he loved me and you enough to give his life. But he didn't just die. He gave his life. I want you to hear what I'm saying. He didn't just die. He gave us his life. His life is in you if you've received him. His life Is what gives you access to the Holy Spirit and the power. So where's your focus? I'm getting excited. I'm starting to preach, but it's going to be all right. I told told the Wednesday night crowd a couple weeks ago, 
about an anchor point. And in archery, that anchor point is where every time you pull the bow back, where your hand rests. And what's so important is where your hand rests guides your eye, which guides your hand, which guides the arrow to hit the mark. And that repetitive moment of pulling that release in the same place every time is what gives you accuracy. So is your anchor point Jesus? Church, what I want what I want us to know, I don't want us to be hearers of the word only. Jesus cautioned us about that. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we weekly gather and we hear the word of God. We hear it taught, we hear it read, we hear it sung. The word of God builds faith. It is important according to Acts that in the early church that they gathered in the temple daily and then house to house breaking bread together. So they shared what God was even ministering to them there. It's important that we gather because then we become like arrows in the hand of an archer and we're sent out. When you go to work, you are a minister. I said when you go to work, you are a minister. People like to look up at this stage and go, well, Pastor Landon's a minister. Yeah, when I hit the door. What I do right now is called pastor-teacher. It's part of the five-fold ministry. I equip the saints for the ministry. And I don't know what you heard about saints, but if you have been made righteous through Christ Jesus, you are a saint. So what we do here weekly is stir each other's faith up. There is no easier place to serve. There's no easier place to serve and be a part than in a church. But Jesus said, serve your enemy. Pray for your enemy. I hope you don't really have any enemies here because if you do, I think they're probably imagined. In fact, even in the world, you don't actually have people that are enemies. You may have people that are listening to the enemy. But you know what? Most of them, they're blinded by the darkness. Colossians said that that Jesus himself has transferred us from the powers of darkness into the kingdom of the beloved Son, into his light. And I struggle with something. I struggle with the fact, and I don't like this fact, that the cities and the communities with the greatest social angst, the greatest social shortcomings, the the greatest poverty, the greatest amount of welfare, the greatest lack, the greatest drug addiction, do you know where most of them are at? They're at the places where the largest churches also abide. got a problem with that. I don't have a problem with you gathering. In fact, we're commanded to. We're commanded not to forsake the assembling together. What I have a problem with is when we get so self-focused that our revelation is, is our revelation is all we're hung up on. 
How do you go out? Is it, is it hard? Yes. Is it uncomfortable? Yes. But you know why sometimes the miraculous isn't actually in your life? You're hanging, up, you're hanging around with us. We have it pretty good here. You know, we're living in provision. We're living in health. I mean, yeah, we have exceptions to the rule sometimes, but overall, we're doing pretty well. What happens when you go downtown with people that have no hope, with people that have no provision? I'm not saying that you have enough within yourself to provide. What I'm saying is you carry the light of Christ Jesus within you. And if we really want to see people healed, they have to see the light first. The, the reason lost people act like lost people is because they are lost people. Why are we, the church, allowing our eyes to be dimmed? Why are we acting like lost people? Why is, is religion becoming a means to an end for us? Why is godliness, as it says in the Scriptures, becoming a means to the end for us? That we just want more in our life. That's an abomination, and that will lead to a powerless church. Your service does not save you. Your anchor point, being on Jesus, will save you. But Jesus goes from place to place. Did you ever know that? He was always moving. He never forsook his people. He never forsook his, his spiritual family. He never forsook his prayers. But going from one place to another, I love the, the, the gospel of Mark because Mark just jumps in and says, and he went here and he went there and he went here. And guess what happened along the way? Jesus was filled with compassion. And every time you read, look it up. Every time you read that Jesus was filled with compassion, you know what happened next? Miracles. But until we partner with him, we're not going to see the miracles. I want to be a church full of miracles. I believe. In fact, we, we, we have miracles happen. We had a young man the other day that, that fell on his bike and, and had a fracture in his arm. He's being prayed over, reached his hand out at the word of God and was healed. That, that is a true story, right? Yep. Amen. We've seen cancer dissolved. But what I really believe is that the miracle we're seeking is for this community to see the love of God. How are they going to see it if not in you and I? How are they going to see it when we're behind closed doors all the time? I am so grateful for this beautiful building that God's provided for us. We have tons of traffic that goes by. We have people that walk by, people that drive by. There's 70, 80,000 people a day that drive by this place. And it happened because, you know, downtown got congested and run down. And so they said, well, let's build a highway away from downtown. And then everybody starts leaving that can afford to leave. And they come to this part of town. 
what I see over and over again. And God, I believe God called us here to this spot for a reason. Like, I totally believe that. I prayed about it. I believe he called us here. But why, as believers, do we continually walk away from the darkness? It's like we're scared of the darkness. We look for the devil and we find him everywhere. If you look for Jesus, you find him everywhere. I told a friend the other day that we could, I really believe this, we could go down to the movie theater and watch any movie in there. You know, you know how bad some of the movies are in there. We could go in, we could watch any of the movies in that theater. You know what, with, with the Holy Spirit's eyes, you know what you're going to find? Jesus. You're going to find the gospel. The gospel is woven through everything. It's the story that's so good, and yet we try to embellish it. Like That's just... How do you embellish something that good? And yet in our hearts, we go... Is it really real? Can it really be that good? But God, do you know me? Oh, he knows you. He knew your mistakes before you ever made them. He forgave your mistakes before you ever made them. And to quote Facebook, he made allowance for your stupidity and my stupidity on our path. So he was prepared for that too. And that's okay because he loves us. Scripture says that Jesus made us righteous as we believe in him. And what I want to challenge you today, I want to challenge you to make sure whatever your soapbox is, not to stand on the soapbox and talk about how right you are. My heart has broken just in how the church responds to the world. We don't need to stand on a soapbox and talk about how right we are. It wasn't of us to start with. We were the thief, the liar, the gossip, the fornicator, the homosexual, you name it. But Jesus transferred us from the powers of darkness into the kingdom of of the sun. So if we're going to stand on a soapbox, let's proclaim the goodness of our God. And there is, if we would just open our eyes, would you, would you just open your eyes and see God moving? I challenge you this week, ask God. He hears your prayers. He hears my prayers. Mikey, he hears your prayers, doesn't he? Mark, does he hear your prayers? He hears our prayers. Not because of anything we did, but because of what Jesus did. So ask God this week. Say, God, why don't we go ahead and pray? We're in church. You can do that here. God, come on, pray with me. Heavenly Father, reveal to me your kingdom at work this week. Amen.
yeah, he'll, he'll answer that prayer. I can't wait. Next week, fill out a connect card. Show me where God showed up this week. Each and every one of us are ministers. I'm kind of just a... Uh, I have a bunch of notes there. Maybe I'll get to them, maybe I won't. Isaiah 61 was, I believe, this church's mission statement. And it starts with what Jesus did, because Jesus actually opened up the book of Isaiah. You can read it in Luke 4, I believe is the reference. But Jesus opened it up in the synagogue, and he started reading it with authority. And that's where everybody looked at him and goes, who's this guy? So Isaiah 61 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Do you know anyone poor? Do you know anyone brokenhearted? So if Jesus was called to them, you are too. To proclaim liberty to the captives, do you know anyone suffering from addiction? Are you suffering from addiction? Maybe maybe we need to get together and, and actually talk about this a little bit. I say, you can be freed from that because you can. And the opening of the prison to those who are bound. The book of Acts, it says about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Their anchor point was to God. That was their focus. Their anchor point was on God. And it says, singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them, the captives, as Isaiah is saying here. The prisoners were listening to them, and suddenly there was a great earthquake, and the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately, when? When did it happen? Immediately when they were worshiping. Immediately, all the doors were open. How many of the doors? Was it Paul and Silas's? All the doors were open, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. It's from the overflow of worship that you become a minister. And a ministry is not about a fantastic hour that you had. Because let me tell you something. I got good news. You are not defined by your very worst hour. You are not defined by your greatest shortcoming. Thank you, Jesus. We are also not defined by our greatest personal hour. We're defined as ministers by the overflow of a lifetime. That's why we're committed to a lifetime. If you want to go with me, I'm committed to a lifetime of serving God. I can tell you that I fall short. I missed the mark, and I still am committed to get up. A righteous man gets up seven times even when he falls. But the focus of worship, everyone's bounds are open. Their doors are open. Their chains are broken. So to proclaim, back to Isaiah, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance to our Lord, of our Lord, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion and give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes. He gives us beauty in our mourning, in our sorrow. If you look for Jesus, if you look for the gospel, you'll see beauty all around you. 
the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they, you know this if you've been here, that they may be called the oaks of righteousness. They is we. We are they. We have a bad habit in society. We think that someone else has it figured out. We think someone else has the hold, the hold on God. We think someone else has all the gifts. You are called a righteous priesthood. Straight out of Scripture. If you've made Jesus your Lord, you are a priest. And you're called to the ministry. That ministry is called reconciliation. That's a fancy word for Chip and Joanna Gaines, when they go into a, a, an ugly house and they make it beautiful, that's restoration. That would be a, a ministry of reconciliation. It's taking back what the architect designed that through sin and corruption has decayed. Be that your house, your life, your vehicle, your property, your business, where there is decay that's not of God. When we put our hands to it, we become ministers of reconciliation. So, that they may be called the oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. We don't do it for our own good. We don't do it so that our house is more beautiful. We do it so that God is glorified. You know what happens When you restore a house in a neighborhood, you bring something to that neighborhood, the, the whole property value goes up. And we are the habitation of the Holy Spirit. You are the house of the Lord. God has called everyone. He has predestined everyone to receive salvation. But we do have a choice. So I say, let's shine the light so that those that can't see can see. Let's quit being divisive. Man, there's no place for divisiveness. The only difference between you and the lost is Jesus. There is no divisiveness because as he has his hand on you, he's reaching out. And I don't want you to over-spiritualize that. Yes, his spirit reaches out, but your hand is the one that they touch. Amen? It says, they shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall rise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities and the devastation of many generations. Strangers shall stand and tend your flocks. What's that mean? That means people are going to come beside you and go, I don't know what you're doing, but I want to help. Foreigners shall be your plowmen and vine dressers. You shall be called the priest of the Lord. They shall speak of you as ministers of our God. And you shall eat the wealth of the nations. In their glory you shall boast. Instead of shame, there will be double portion 
Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, their land, in their land, they shall possess a double portion, and they shall have everlasting joy. There is something that comes to a person that realizes that there's no more shame. That you're free from the corruption. Yes, our bodies are perishing daily. But it just means we're getting closer to that perfect resurrected body one day. My body may be perishing to some degree. But my soul has been made perfect. It's been sealed by the Holy Spirit. And my, excuse me, my spirit has been sealed. My soul is being restored. That's the house that God's restoring daily through the washing of the water of the Word. Second Corinthians 9, 8, 8 through 15 says, And God is able. God is able. I've seen that. That, that. that has like popped out to me the last couple weeks. God is able. It's in several different scriptures. God is able. I'm thinking, wow, he is able. I know he's able. Do you know that God is able? Whatever this is going to say, you know that God is able, right? Well, if he's able, why doesn't he just do it? He's able. But what am I missing here? Yeah, I believe God's able. Man, he's able. God can do it. What do you need? Oh, God can do it. See you, man. He can do it. I believe in him. He can do it. Yeah? Do, Do you not have faith? Do you believe that God can do it? I'm picking on my buddy here. He, he, he knows he's going to be all right. God is able to make all grace abound to you. And having all sufficiency in all things at all times that you may be able to abound. Boy, that sounds good. In every good work. That makes me think, if he's able, he wants a partnership that you may abound in every good work. We're not talking about salvation. We're talking about a partnership. Everybody wants to be a part of something bigger than themselves. Well, maybe the prideful don't, but I like most people, they see something bigger than themselves, and they go, I want to be there. Even if it's me, I want to take that dude's spot one day. Like, you want to be a part of something bigger than yourself. That's part of our human condition. We're called to do that because God is bigger than us. And it's only through worship where we hit our knees and go, God, you're bigger than me. You are able through all your riches and glory to equip me for every good work. And then we get up off of our knees and we can run. God is able to make all grace abound to you, having all sufficiency in all things at all times that you may be able to do every good work, to abound in every good work, excuse me. As it is written, he has distributed freely. 
he has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower, that's what you plant. That's your, your time, your treasure, and your talent. Don't have enough time? <laughs> I look around this room. There's a bunch of us that don't have enough time. You don't have enough time? Sow some of it. If you don't have enough treasure, sow some of it. If you don't have enough talent, I'm here to tell you you're qualified. God has put something in you that I don't have. Fill out a grow team card. We're going to at least practice serving here. It's not, it's not that we, we want to just build a church full of, serve, uh, of people serving here. We want to practice serving here and give this to the Lord and then go out. And be made servants. So he gives, he supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. Don't plant your bread. It gets, it gets pretty nasty if you put it in the ground. And ask God what the difference is. Yeah. Father Abraham, the, fa- the father of our faith, he tithed 10% to the church, to the Levites, to the, to the he tithed 10%. And then the law picked it up and then says, you know, they tithed even on mint. They they tithed on everything. 10% is what a tithe is. So we're free of the curse of the law. Amen? Man, I need to teach on the curse of the law, I guess. We're free of the the, the curse of the law, right? We are. If you don't know, we are. It wasn't meant for us. But I can tell you this. If it was against the law to murder in the Old Covenant, if it was against the law to lust in the Old Covenant, to desire what what was in others, and yet Jesus came, and Jesus says, I bring you something greater. If you even hate in your heart, you've committed murder. If you have even desired in your heart what's in others, you're basically a thief. I think the same applies to what we're giving. You don't, you're not under law to give 10%. Thank God. But under grace, is grace not much more? That's for free. <laughs> and that will come back, I promise you, because this says so. He who supplies the seed for the sower. Who's the sower? Do y'all believe that? I think there's a bunch of people in here that don't realize that they're the sowers. God has qualified you to partner with him. Every one of you. There is nothing you've done. There's nothing in your past that you've done that has disqualified you from partnership with him. You only look to Jesus because Jesus is your qualification. If you're looking to your disqualification, you've just made yourself bigger than Jesus in your own mind. I know that's hard. And that hurts a little bit. That stings a little bit. But if you're looking to your qualification as being greater than Jesus' sacrifice, you're making yourself a pretty pitiful God. His grace abounds. It is able to abound in every good work. He who supplies seed for the sower and bread for for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing. 
just think of, of going out. You remember the parable of, of throwing the seed out, and some landed on the roadside, some landed in the weeds, some landed on good ground. It wasn't to the sower the increase. He just went out and sowed. It's not your responsibility to find the increase. Do we want to sow in good ground? Yeah, time's limited. Time's precious. But even if it's in a life that only gets 10% instead of 100-fold, the light of God shined. There's an eye that's opened. You will be Increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to to be generous in every way. Which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Man, has anybody ever just blessed you and you just, in your prayers, you go, God, thank you so much for sending my brother to encourage me. An act of service sends thanks to God. Isn't that a cool way to partner with him? We'll produce thanksgiving to God. The ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but overflowing with many thanksgivings to God. We've seen that when people in prison, in chains, give thanks to God, that the chains break off of those around them and the doors open. It's through our loving other people. Not telling everyone that we're right. Telling everyone how we can be made right. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all of others. While they long for you and pray for you, because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. It never fails. You bless somebody to that degree, they end up praying for you. So as you give of yourself, as you die to yourself, as Jesus said, you suddenly find yourself. What does Ephesians 2.10 say? Have you ever read that? Let me see if I have it here. Ephesians 2.10, it says, For we are the workmanship. If you have a passion translation, it says, We are the poem, the poema, the painting, the, the, the word, the beauty. We are the workmanship of God. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Talk about predestination. God prepared you beforehand to be here today. He knew you were going to be here. By your free will, he knew that you were going to be here today. He chose that you were going to be born in this time of a great awakening. And I truly believe that. I don't, I don't just say that. Like I believe that we are in a time that we are going to see more people come to know Jesus than ever. I mean, when you look to even even what's going on with some celebrities right now, you're like, that guy? Yeah, come on. 
It takes a, a moment of turning your heart. Now, is that guy going to fall and stumble? Are you? Are you going to pray for him? He has a platform. We have to guard our hearts from the spirit of religion. We have to guard our hearts from the spirit of politics. We see because we've been given the light. We see because of Jesus, not because of us. Some of you may know, I took my kids deer hunting this week. We, we enjoy, it's, it's, a, it's something that's been passed, that passed down from generation to generation to generation in my family. We enjoy the hunt, we enjoy the harvest, we enjoy the, the food that comes after it. It's just, it's been generational. I mean, since my family has been in Texas, and yes, we came directly to Texas. Even though I live in Arkansas now, it's okay. It's, it's just deep East Texas. But my, my family literally came on, on a ship, or, or, or they, they, they came straight to Texas. And so the hunting and the, and the, the barbecue, well, thank you, God, for German barbecue. I'm sorry, I got distracted. So this has been passed down. I took my kids hunting this week. And, you know, we have all this technology now, and uh, so we have cameras out. And I knew my kids were going to bring deer home, so meat wasn't really an issue. I wanted what we call in South Texas a muy grande. That when they, they turn through the brush and they look at you, that was the desire of my heart. So I'm like, Lord, give me the desire of my heart. And I had a picture on my cell phone of the guy I was after. And I love, I love the experience of hunting. One, you're up before anything. Like, I'm sitting in my stand at, at 5 a.m. And if you've never truly experienced a wilderness sunrise, oh my gosh, it's amazing. About 30 minutes before sunrise, there is complete silence. Like, you don't hear a bug, you don't hear a sound, you don't hear a peep. And then it's almost exactly 30 minutes before the sun peaks over the horizon. You hear a, and the coyotes seem to wake up everything. It's like once they wake up, the bugs, the birds, every other animal, the raccoons, the skunks, everything wakes up. It's like it, that, when, that, when that first little bit of light hits. Now, that's 30 minutes before the sunrise, if you don't know that. You can actually see, kind of. It, in Texas, it's actually legal to start hunting 30 minutes before sunrise because it's, it's light enough for you to be able to see safely. But it's in that moment that it's like, it's like this wind of life just hits. And you're just, you're just sitting there going, oh, wow, creation is amazing. So I'm after this muy grande. I've already... I've already texted my brother. I'm like, hey, dibs. That one's mine. He didn't listen to me, and that's okay, because it's his too. But 
So I'm, I'm three days into my hunt. My daughter has got this beautiful deer, and I'm just, I'm impressed by her and, and, and just the experience with her. But now it's daddy's turn. I've already told her, if Muy Grande walks out and you're in the stand with me, you're just going to have to slide over for a minute. And so I'm sitting there at 5 a.m., and, and I see a shadow. Mui. You see him over there? Can't you just like see him? You know, have you been up in the, in the dark there in, in the shadows? About 5.30 hits and he's still there. Six o'clock, twilight hour, you know, 30 minutes from sunrise, all I can see is antlers. <laughs> just waiting, just waiting. I'm watching my clock. I'm like, I've got the second hand just, so I'm not going to break the law. I'm watching my clock. And I go, oh, that's not Mui, but that is. That's his brother. Man, that's, that's cool. And he starts getting nervous. And now we're almost to sunrise. We're almost to sunrise. And he starts getting shifty. I go, uh-oh. Like, that's what I want. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really regret this if I don't do this right now. And he starts getting more shifty, and I'm getting more anxious. And I pull the trigger. And who I thought was Mui, he, he didn't suffer long. I went and I found him, and I said, oh, my gosh. In my imagination in the darkness, this was so big. saying a lot here. In my imagination in the darkness, when I could barely see, this was so big. I'm thankful for it, meat in my freezer, but it wasn't what I was after. I moved too quick. There's been other times in my life where I moved too slow. So, put my gun on my shoulder and I walk to the truck kind of kicking some dirt. Not really. I'm, I mean, I was, it was mostly internal. I may have kicked the dirt a couple of times. And I get to my truck, and I go, I can't even stand to get in the truck right now. I walk about a mile, just going, God, what are you going to reveal to me in this situation? Because I'm mad. I'm mad at myself. I'm not mad at anybody else. I'm mad. I mean, it's one of the other beauties of hunting. Let me tell you something. When you pull the trigger, it's done. Such is life. There's something to learn from that. So as I'm walking back to the truck and past the truck, the sun comes up the rest of the way. It's where you can clearly see. I turn around. I walked another three-quarters of a mile back to my truck, and I, I still just couldn't get in it. I'm just going, God, what do you want to show me through this? And he said, walk back up there. No. No. I don't want to walk back up there. I just want to get in the truck, go get my deer, and go home. He said, walk back up there. 
okay. I walk up beside my, beside my stand. I mean, I walked up there just like I am right now. You know, I've gone through the scent, got rid of all the scent on my clothes and my body and everything else. I'm walking up there just making noise and walking. And where my imagination in the twilight had deceived me stands two huge deer. Guess what I don't have? A tag. It's amazing what you see when you allow the light of Jesus to come into your life. We, we look through a, gl- a glass dimly. But if we listen to how to find the wisdom of God, we can see clearly. His love is peaceable. His wisdom is peaceable and kind and long-suffering. Is that the wisdom of the world? Christians, is that your wisdom on Facebook? You've got to think about these things. There's a lot out there that's demonically inspired. Amen or mean. Are we focused on the demonically inspired to separate ourselves from it? Or do we, are we so anchored on Jesus Christ? We go, how can I take the light to a deceived world? Our challenge is to love well, period. The world has a form of love. There's a lot of people out there that are, are, are looking through that dim light, and they're searching. They are looking for love. They are like I was in that deer stand. That's it. That's what I'm looking for right there. I finally see it. We are not loving kids that don't know their, their sexual identity, so we are going to help them. They're already confused. What they're really looking for is love. But they're looking for the genuine article, not the counterfeit. So I want to challenge you to wait for the light. And how would Jesus respond? How would he respond? He's not going to blow it out of proportion. I want to tell you something. The news and the media on both sides blow things out of proportion to to stir emotions when what should happen is our love be stirred. We are coming into a political season in the United States right now that there is no safe place to get your information. I read the best news the other day uh, of jobs. The the jobless rate is now 3.4%. I'm like, that is incredible. But I still go, is it true? Or is somebody trying to make a point and embellishing it? There is no, re- no reason as a Christian to embellish anything, for the good or for the bad. Now, I'm not saying that 3.4% isn't, isn't true. I don't know. I'm just saying I have to look to God and go, you be my discernment. And I know what our enemy's after. He's after separation from 
God and ourselves and from, God, from each other. So I don't want to play a part. I don't want to play a part of separation. If I'm on a mission for restoration, how am I going to separate myself? He says, be in the world, but not of it. It doesn't say leave the world alone. It says, be in the world, but not of it. Because we need to be the true sunrise. Once you've had an experience with Jesus Christ, a genuine, true experience with the loving God, man, that love, that agape love just comes alive. We're to be a living sacrifice, not a dead one. Most of us have taken our sacrifice to Jesus and gone, I'm going to die to myself so that you can live. But then we forget to pick up the plow and plow with him. We're to be a living sacrifice daily with our words, our actions, and our deeds. I told you, your ministers, ministers, ministry is never a performance of an hour but the overflow of your life. A living sacrifice, not a dead one. We need to worship him in everything we do. In the world, not of the, of the world. In the dimness of light, we misjudge. Don't be quick to judge. God is patient. He's kind. He's long-suffering. John 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And He was in the beginning with God. All things that were made were made through Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. And in Him was life. And the life was the light to men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. It also says, the gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. Jesus says that the gates of hell will not prevail against you. All you need is a revelation of who Jesus is. That's what he told Peter. He said, Peter, you get it. You know who I am now. My church will be built on you. On that revelation of who Jesus is. So as the worship team comes up, as the prayer teams come up, I'm going to read one more scripture. First Corinthians 13, if I speak in the tongue of men and of the angels, but I have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. That's what happens when we stand up on a soapbox and proclaim how right we are. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Here's how you know when God's speaking. Love is patient. Love is kind. 
which does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. You know, when someone's deceived, they don't realize they're deceived. We take them by the hand and say, hey, there's a better way. And if they come with us, they come and they're healed. If not, the door's open. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but it rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, and hopes all things. Verse 13, it says, Now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. So Father, we come to you today as a church, and we thank you for your love. We thank you for your kindness. Lord, help us to see more clearly. Help us to draw more closely to Jesus so that we see the sunrise, that we're not stuck in the wisdom of the world, even as Christians. But we push through to see the sunrise that we can see clearly. That we can see clearly what you're after, that you're after showing your love to the world as you've showed us. That you have made us right and you continue to purge us with your word and show us the way, that you show us through your word the way to live, the the way to a beautiful life. And Lord, we know that even in suffering, even when we're hemmed in, your word says that you're with us. You're in our boat. You're in there with us in the storm. But Father, today we commit that you are our anchor point, that you are our provision, that you are are our hope, and that without you, we can do no good work. We can do no good thing. But with you, we can partner with you and see the world changed. God, I'm thankful that I'm not a part of destruction anymore. That you've restored me. That you've given me your light, your life, and your love. Help me to live every day. Help us as a church to live every day knowing that we truly do have your life in us. Lord, your word says that you gave us the faith of Christ. What more faith do we need? Help us to point it in the right direction. God, thank you so much. We are such a humble, grateful, and thankful people. We worship you. and We look forward to the opportunities to partner with you that you give. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen.